folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass for an episode 220. Glad you could join us. Um, let's get started with some introductions, start at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am Soraya Zell, and I have missed a second episode of Biomass. What's sure. wrong with me? What's happened? What are you even doing with your life anymore? Don't ask. All right, Bate, you're up. Hey, everybody. What's up? My name is Bate, and uh, I'm a Florida man, and currently I am mining in EVE Online. High sec or low sec? Uh, wormhole. We have a, we have a free God help you. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, Jay, you're up. Yep. Hi, uh, this is Jason, and uh, I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomass, and uh, a player of game and doer of stuff. Uh, and that's uh, that's about the extent of it. And I am still enjoying the uh, the D2 Solstice of Heroes grind, and really kind of looking forward to Forsaken, as well as uh, kind of getting amped up for some of the games coming out this fall. Not the least of which is Red Dead and Anthem. Well, Anthem's more of a spring game, but Red Dead, looking pretty good right now. Sounds good. All right, Libby, you're up. Hello, I'm um, currently doing games. Got sucked back into Destiny, so that was fun. Um, that's about it. All right, and I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show, and I am suffering from a pretty sore throat today, so I'm going to kind of lean on Zell and the other co-hosts to kind of you know, get this thing across the finish line, but uh, it's good stuff. So, Zell, starting off, a uh, new Venom trailer? Uh, yeah, so um, this one, I actually, I did actually see this in theaters as well because I, I did, a, did a couple movies over the past week, um, but uh, the... Uh, the kind of the highlight thing that for me that this kind of stuck out to me was, um, you know, is they, they've, they've had throughout all the trailers, kind of the whole, you know, uh, Eddie trying to tell Venom, we, we can't just, you know, hurt people thing. Um, but I guess this trailer throws in like what looks like an alternate Venom symbiote combined with someone else. Um, and so, Given the whole, you know, anti-hero vibe, my guess is kind of that they're doing like, you remember the Incredible Hulk movie, Pokey? Unfortunately. The, the Incredible Hulk, the, the, the MCU one. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, you had the Hulk and then you had, um, his character name was Blomsky, became the Abomination. He was, you know, a worse Hulk, right? Eviler, bigger whatever and they're like well i can kind of direct my monster side at the the worst one that's where i see this going that is exactly the the plot i see happening here is that there's you know this venom and and hero and that eviler venom thing and and they're gonna they're gonna go well you know at least we're not as bad as that one um so i bet you're gonna see about six of them in that movie I'm, I'm taking I think the over under is six and the reason I say that is because it's pretty it, a lot of people are definitely betting heavy that carnage which is one of the other primary symbiotes that kind of sprung from the venom sort of storyline pretty sure that's gonna be one of them and then there were five other ones that kind of floated in and out and they're all basically split offs or they came from the original source that the venom symbiote did so I'm, I'm betting there's six uh, and, and, and one of the big differences is, like, so Carnage was, uh, I mean, ultimately the way the symbiote works is exactly that. It bonds with the person that, that is the host. And so the symbiote definitely has its own personality and sentience, or you know, the creature does. 
and then it melds with the person that it bonds with. So when it was with Spider-Man, it was pretty okay with being a hero up to a point it, that felt okay for him. You know, Venom, the Eddie Brock version of Venom in the comics, a little bit more self-centered, you know, not as much, you know, kind of disciplinary or control as, as Peter Parker. Um, the Carnage one, which is, I think, the one that was in the trailer, it's hard to tell. He's more of a red color, not a, not a black color. Uh, that basically uh, got joined with a serial killer. Uh, and you can kind of you can kind of see, and Siri was helping. Me I hear some voice assistance yeah. going on there. I hear you having trouble. Yeah, well, a uh, uh, a a killer of of multiple things. Anyway, that's that's who the Carnage symbiote bonded with, and so you can kind of see how it spirals from that. So it would not surprise me if that's what you, I think. You're right, Jake or Zell. Excuse me. I think that's what you're going to see a lot of is kind of symbiote and symbiote violence kind of thing. Uh, and it will be interesting to see how they play Eddie Brock because he was kind of, he was kind of a D bag, you know, in the comics, which kind of drugged the, the symbiote in that direction. Definitely. Uh, whereas the flash Thompson version was much, much more of, uh, that's really more of a, a, an anti-hero feel, you know, it was the flash Thompson from the Spider-Man stories. And he basically, you know, after he grew up was a soldier, uh, had his legs blown off and I think Iraq or Afghanistan came back and basically became venom agent of shield at that point. Uh, so I, I'm not sure which way they're going with this one, but yeah, I think you're right. You're definitely seeing a lot of symbiote on symbiote, like throwdown. Do you guys think this will be a good movie? No. B movie at best. It, it looks like a B movie. It looks okay. Like it's, Maybe worth seeing, but probably not full price. Matinee, maybe. Oh damn! I mean, I mean, in all in all fairness, that's mostly because of Sony's track record. I mean, they they would have to. I mean, if if they like maybe steal some of the Marvel magic, maybe. But I'm not seeing it and seeing it so far in the trailers. Well, and that's that's the funny part about this is this is uh, you know. Spider-Man is now integrated with the MCU and this is still like their Spider-Man universe characters that they're able to still use outside of the MCU, which is, is a weird, a weird place for them to be making movies. Oh, Hey, total, total red hair, total side note here. But remember we were talking a lot about what they're going to do with all, a lot of those properties. Uh, now that Disney owns a lot of that, the, the X-Men and other Marvel properties back now, you guys see what happened to those? No, I didn't. What happened? Somebody drugged them out in the woods and shot them in the back of the head. Oh, like so what? the the word is that quite a, that some of those will not see the light of day. Like that new mutant, new mutants when set in the asylum. The 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 uh, initial reports are kind of the unnamed sources from Disney say that uh, yeah, that's we're, we're probably going to not put that out for release. It may in the future come out on our streaming service, unlike the Marvel. Wow, show. because that was. Like, I, I, I can see that because I remember when they, they were, like, saying it was coming out and then they decided not to because they were going to reshoot a bunch of stuff, you know? I, I remember all that. I was like, seriously, they had they had the new Mut- Mutants trailers in theaters. That's how I, that's how close they were to release. Here, here's and the there was one. just so many bad signs for that one. The, the bigger one is they also indicated that Dark Phoenix – may not complete shooting either. Jeez, that's hardcore. 
That really sucks, the people working in the film. <laughs> like, really sucks. No, well, um, I think I think what will end up happening is those will morph into different... Well, the, the Dark Phoenix will certainly morph into a different movie, I bet. Um, New Mutants, I mean, that, that looked kind of like hot garbage anyway. So they're probably okay with just shit-canning that one. That's just that's just wild. I, I did not hear that, but I I'm not entirely surprised. But geez, no truth and lending. I'm waiting for some confirmation sources on that, but sure, I've seen that in about two three other places that are reasonably reasonably reliable. So wouldn't surprise me in the next you know few weeks or a couple months we we probably hear that those quiet would just die a quiet death somewhere. I I can totally see that, particularly for New Mutants, for them to just say you know what, and then and. The idea of maybe just shoving it out on a streaming service is like, you know, here's an add-on. We didn't want to spend the money to put it in theaters. But we already spent – obviously, they spent the money to film and edit it because they were at release ready before. So they have some version of New Mutants that's done. And so I could see them saying, you know, we're just going to just toss it out as like an extra thing on a, on a streaming service. Like I, I feel like for Dark Phoenix, what I'd like to see is even if they're, you know, getting ready to reboot something that they kind of – wrap up that that franchise you know but that's just me no i well no i i actually agree with you on that that uh, zell the problem is that the dark phoenix storyline is so that that's like that's a good biggie that's a one of the like you know super keynote kind of uh historical x-men sort of storylines i could see them not wanting to spoil elements of that in a movie that they're not invested in yeah, I could get that, but I, I mean, mean, be, I mean, I'm with you though. I would, it would be kind of cool if they would sort of put a bow on the, on the Fox, on the Fox universe, so to speak. Basically, I, I don't know how they do it, but you know, like kind of send it off in a good way, then just like do you just wipe the slate clean and kind of go in a different direction when they start integrating things very probably very slowly into the MCU. I but mean, I, my my curiosity is like, how quick could they like? You know, obviously, it's not really you're not really spoiling the the comic book version of of this. It's been you know, Dark Phoenix has been out for a very long time. I guess my question is is like, isn't it going to be a really long time until the MCU version would get around to that? Uh, kind of depends. I mean, it really depends on on how they want to jumpstart the mutants in there. But you're right. I mean, it they kind of toyed around with the Dark Phoenix stuff and and that horrible was X Men Three, which Definitely one of my least favorite ones. So I was kind of surprised that they were revisiting it in this one. But, you know, w- without knowing anything else about the movie, I'm not, uh, it just, it's, it's, I could see them wanting to hope, preserve parts of that storyline. But I kind of do wish that they would sort of like figure out some sort of nice transitional movie that kind of you know, was a bit of a tip of the hat or homage to the, to the Fox kind of franchises. Because, I mean, the reality is that, you know, the X-Men movies for a couple of years carried the water for all superhero movies until, you know, basically until until Iron Man kicked off. Yeah, it'll be good to see how they kind of play this one off and, and how they want to transition into whatever they plan next for it. All right, Zell, what else do you got? Uh, Star Trek news? Yes, I have Star Trek news. I am excited about the Star Trek news. Um, so uh, the, the first big one is... Um, that I think I, I talked about it before that they had appointed Alex Kurtzman, who is one of the writers of the earlier movies, um, uh, like the the kind of reboot movies with Chris Pine, um, that they had set him up to do 
kind of they want him to be kind of like the Kevin Feige of the of of Star Trek, where he's he's you know arranging and managing this this franchise universe. And they had contracted him to be involved for up to five years with somewhere around five Star Trek shows. Um, so, so pretty big commitment. Um, and uh, so the big thing is, is that at the uh, at the big Star Trek convention, uh, they actually revealed that Patrick Stewart would, in fact, be leading a new Star Trek series um, at some indeterminate time in the future with some indeterminate plot written by some indeterminate person and directed by some other indeterminate person. They basically said nothing except for Patrick Stewart is back, which really is all you need to know. And he hasn't aged a day in how many years? Yeah, that's, you know, like I, from, from like age 30 to 70, you couldn't see it, but he's, he's, he's over 80 now. And now you're starting, you're starting to see it. It's starting to, yeah, the, the man, I have to remember who made the joke. Uh, it was someone here, but, but um, uh, somebody said, you know, he must have finally committed a sin <laughs> because he he just seventy eight. Are you serious? That's insane. <laughs> and like you think about it, you're like, you know, he looked like, and this was just because of the the hair, but he looked really old next gen, and and then you're like, wait a minute, that was decades ago. Well, I mean, now he what he it doesn't is look. Is there's no hair to age him by, so you can't say he's getting grayer. <laughs> he, he doesn't look a day over Gurney Halleck. <laughs> for for those of you that didn't get the joke, he played Gurney Halleck in Dune. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, but uh, yeah. So that that was uh, that was the big news, um, and then the other. The uh, and uh, that's going to be a CBS All Access exclusive, of course, uh, like Discovery. I, I believe the the rumor is that the ideal hope is that they get enough Star Trek series is running because like the thing is like so I, I got all access for Discovery and then I canceled it. I actually canceled it over winter break and I also canceled it uh, when the, the season finale aired. And so I believe their hope is to actually have enough Star Trek coming out that there is always a new Star Trek episode like every week year round um, on CBS all access so that you have so that. You have no reason to ever unsubscribe. That would be, I mean, I, I could see the, the desire to do that. That's, a, that's definitely an interesting way to way to roll with it. It's a big bet, too, by the way. Yeah, you're putting a lot of a lot of weight on that one franchise. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's a lot you can do with it, and they're going to, um, they're looking at varying it out quite a bit, much like, um, you know, your, your DC Universe properties, where... You know, like one of the series is to talk about it's like a Star Trek Academy series. So obviously like a, a kids ish series they are talking about something animated, which wouldn't be the first time for Star Trek either. Um, you know, mix it up between the different things. Um, and so uh, CBS Star Trek TV is doing pretty well then in that regard. Um, but the movie franchise is not. And so the other big news was that um, after the last Star Trek movie uh, didn't make nearly as much money as they were hoping, they were trying to renegotiate salaries for um, what they're calling Star Trek Four, but is actually Star Trek Fourteen, and um, they were unable to reach an agreement with either Chris Pine, who plays Kirk, or Chris Hemsworth, who plays Kirk's father. Um, obviously, both of them are very high-paid people right now since they're they're um 
in several other more popular franchises at this point. Um, and basically, Paramount was hoping to cut the bill down a little bit because they can't afford it. And both of them were like, we have pre-existing contracts and we expect to be paid our contract. So uh, that it looks like the Star Trek film franchise is probably dead at this point um because that's you know they can't even negotiate for those two which are kind of their leading two and that's before they even get into like the next the next one to negotiate for after well, that is is I, zoe saldana like like chris pine i'm kind of i'm kind of down for but what were they looking to bring hemsworth back in this episode or in, in this uh, movie yeah so they were looking at doing a time travel thing with kirk and his father uh, i mean i mean Part of that would be change the script, but check. I still think they're going to... problem is, like you said, there's a lot of these folks are starting to become a little bit more well-known, and, and their their pay scale is changing, I suspect. And that's one of the big risks between, like, uh, you know, an, like, tr- traditionally, Star Trek has not featured a lot of, like, big-name cast. The, the movie franchise is definitely unique in that regard, and, and so th- they're the expense is much higher than what they're, they're really used to in, in actor compensation. Yeah, <clears throat> that's true. Even in the latter, I mean, when they were making those, uh, the latter year, OG star, you know, star Trek films, you know, Kirk Shatner, Bill Shatner, if you will, was not pulling in like the kind of money that they're probably even paying that they would be looking to pay him Hemsworth, no matter what he wanted it, how much money he wanted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Like Shatner is a bit is a quote unquote big name, but he's never really been like you know. I can go get a you know, I can go put out a hundreds of millions movie at the drop of a hat. Yeah. So I mean, do you think it's really dead, or do you think that they're going to drop back and kind of try to trans transform the direction they're going in? Well, Amy. Um. I don't know yet. Like, they could try and do something cheaper, but, like, I, I, I suspect that that movie franchise, that they're not all that happy with it to begin with. The licensing is uh, really weird for uh, those movies um, because CBS and Paramount used to all be part of, uh, you know, Viacom, and then what happened was uh, the old Viacom became CBS, or... And then the new Viacom is includes Paramount, and CBS actually has all the Star Trek rights, but then Paramount has like all the movie rights, and so part of the reason why the movie franchise is kind of split off is because they're 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 made by two different shops at this point, and so Paramount has like a, a license that they can make Star Trek movies, um, but they're not CBS who actually has the the property, so. I wouldn't be too surprised if they're, you know, if they're not thinking they're going to make the kind of money they want for them to just let it be. Um, I do believe there may be a contract similar to the Marvel licensing contract, which, like, the, there might be a pressure that they would lose the ability to make Star Trek movies if they don't. That's that's really the one concern for them. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of unfortunate. I thought the first kind of reboot star wars was or god sorry the first reboot star trek was actually pretty decent i mean i mean i thought it was good uh it was certainly a, a kind of a fresh take you very jj abrams but you know it i thought it was very entertaining and a good way to kind of bring the the franchise forward i actually thought you know the con movie was 
not too bad. Benedict Cumberbatch, pretty much good in everything. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, that certainly was was not was not a flop. Um, but the one after that, the third one was just it was just not good. See, see, the funny thing was is the the third one was probably the first one that I would say um, tried to get Star Trek like. In terms of the way the characters interacted and and that I I but like the whole thing is very much more of an action oriented franchise than the the usual Star Trek fair. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, no, I I, I liked the first two when they came out, but the third was was pretty weak, and I was just kind of I walked out. I think I saw it with Libby actually. We were kind of like, eh, it was all right, you know, it wasn't bad, but it was okay. There is a lot going on. Yeah, it was it was definitely not my favorite one, but um and then Rihanna wasn't even in it. <laughs> All right. Uh so Zell, you had something else with uh some Oh my gosh, not, I'm not, not, I'm not, not going to get a breather stuff. in this, am I? No, we'll, we'll give you a break at the end. <laughs> no, no you won't. <laughs> this is uh All right, so this is this is uh AR augmented reality. The interesting thing is I'd actually written a post be- just because it was something I had thought about. And so uh, this is this is going to be a Yu-Gi-Oh story, and we've never done a Yu-Gi-Oh story to my knowledge. But one of the thoughts that I had had was that I didn't understand why somebody hadn't tried to make like a VR title out of out of Yu-Gi-Oh yet, because you know if you think about it, like their entire the entire universe of their thing, the cards are are part of it, and then they have like the the dual discs is like the machinery. They put the cards in; it makes holographic representations of everything, you know. And, and you think about it, and you're like. Well, you could map all of that card playing activity to a VR controller, and then you could do all of the holographics and stuff. And uh, but this is this is uh, AR, and so what they did was they had kind of an exhibition match at one of their championship tournament things, where they did have players that were in cosplay for it, and then they they actually had um, this AR setup that you'd set a card down, and the the you know creature would spawn out of the card and and show up behind the uh behind the player and in, in you know full size and and it just looked cool it, it like it looks like the the tv show representation of what this should look like out of you know what's at, at its core a card game yeah, full disclosure, when I was a kid and this was all the rage, I absolutely uh, watched the show and to this day have the card decks I played with probably in some dusty box in the back of my closet. So I gave them to my brother and I'm, he, I don't know what he did with yeah, them. Yeah, but, but like, what, what, what they showed in this, this video is totally what like as a kid you like in your mind thought was going on, you know, like this whole crazy battle shit, you know, it. The trailer looks really cool. I haven't touched the stuff in years, but this stuff is, it looks pretty cool. I, I thought it was neat. This is just like a thing that I want someone to make. I would like as a thing you could play. I'm sure that they had a pre-constructed deck and the effects that they had ready were, were all kind of, you know, pre-established for the, the point, you know, because there's obviously like tens of thousands of cards that they'd have to have rendered. And, and obviously they're not going to do that for this, this kind of demo thing. But it was just cool. It was just really cool, and I and I wanted to 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 highlight it. We'll put the video in the show notes, um, because it was neat, and I I would play it in in VR or AR or whatever just because it looks cool. No other reason needed. 
Well, the thing is, is that it, this sort of thing works really well with card games, like you said, because I mean, like even like when the um, Nintendo DS came out, they had little AR cards you could play with, where little characters pop up on the cards. It was using the card as kind of its its tracking. Um, so for the Japanese love for anything card game related, this is actually a great outlet for them because most of the shows and stuff built around card games are, are much like Yu-Gi-Oh! So I think if they could actually make an AR headset be like reasonably affordable and not stupid looking, like, you know, most of the AR headsets right now, um, this could really take off, I think, particularly in Japan because they really, really like this sort of thing. And I think people could have a lot of fun with it and it would be a, it'd be cool to see, you know, from a development standpoint, what they could come up with. Did you see how stupidly expensive, by the way, the, the new, newest AR headset is? No. So the, the Magic Leap, have you heard of the Magic Leap? First of no, all, I haven't. Who makes it? So it's, it's a company called Magic Leap. So this is a company that it's actually, it's, it's one of these great startup company things where they've been around for like six or eight years, you know, and they've had, they've raised like billions of dollars to make this, this super cool technology that they would show. That, no, that, that sounds really familiar. So Continue. you say they raised billions of dollars. Uh, fun fact, they got a good chunk of that from the company that I work for to do what you're, you're describing, but for me. Yeah, that's, that doesn't surprise me. They, but like the thing that was interesting to me was that like they made so so many people put so much money into them and then you heard nothing from them. Like they were super secretive and, and it was like, you know, anyone who had tried the thing had signed like 50,000 NDAs and sold, their, sold their soul to the, the, the company and, and this and that. And just like in the last like couple months, they've finally said, okay, well, here's our device and here's what it looks like and here's what it does. After just years of just this deafening silence, it's gonna be like twenty five hundred dollars for for this AR headset. It's very much it, it looks very much in the same vein as as the Hololens, um, which is Microsoft's. Um, but I think they use some fancier, theoretically not theoretical anymore technology that's supposed to be cooler. I would uh, love I would love to review it, but I. Can't they one. they do a variety of, of things in the AR world. Um, imagine you know operating uh, large heavy equipment or things like that, but you have basically an AR helmet or, or visor that helps you kind of understand where all the all the the pieces of vehicle are in relation to things around you. Uh, Three hundred sixty degree, degree situational awareness, things like that. They they do really good work. So that that's a you know like I said. You know, small fun fact for uh, for them. If you're really interested in getting the AR stuff and you wanted to invest in them uh, as a you know or get their product, uh, I would just I would offer that, that what I've seen them do, uh, which has some pretty high sort of high expectations in terms of you know uh, performance, is pretty good. Uh, it, it's generally really really good. All right, so uh, moving on since uh, Pokey has been. Uh struck by lightning or not really but it, it's very possible that something around him has been struck by lightning so uh we we're going to be waiting for him to come back um in the meantime i'm going to keep moving on with um topics on video games that we don't usually cover uh in in much and i'm gonna i'm gonna move us from Yu-Gi-Oh to uh world of warcraft um which uh i do play off and on um 
generally it's kind of a mindless activity thing for me so I, i've kind of always had it back and forth i usually jump in right around the end of an expansion so i can rush through all the content without having to worry about all the the slowing you know the gatekeeping it does to keep you grinding through it for for like forever uh they'll kind of speed it up towards the end of an expansion then try out the new expansion for a bit and then i and then i usually stop playing for like a year and a half um, true or false are you a night elf mohawk i am not uh one because i'm pretty sure the mohawk is a class that only mr t qualifies to play and second of all because i am always have been and always will be for the horde I, I I would have totally sold off on you being a night elf mohawk. Just just saying. Um. So, anyways, so they have a they have a new expansion. It's coming out in uh, two days on on uh, August fourteenth, um, and uh, it's called Battle for Azeroth. And particularly, they did this whole you know that they did this whole thing with the uh, previous expansion was one of those expansions where the the threat was so large and so horrible that that both factions had to work together to defeat it etc and they're like okay enough of that we're going to go back to killing each other so um this is this is a as dramatized as they've ever gone horde versus alliance expansion um and the pre the the pre-expansion events where they kind of set up the storyline differences and they usually do some like you know you can only experience this while we're while it's happening um stuff um has dropped and has kind of some big big events that have been um controversial um and uh the 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 short the short short version is is that the uh our our great banshee queen and and savior uh sylvanas who is who's uh dead and very much not in cool not in favor of all of the honor you know the 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 things like the orcs care about um she has launched she launched a surprise attack and destroyed actually one of the big alliance capital cities which is kind of one of those things like you don't do in an mmo very often as you you have like that that is one of the kind of key locations where a huge amount of gameplay happens like that's that's part of the starting area of one of, of the night elves actually um, all right so, so just so i'm because i'm i'm out of, i'm not too up on on how wow works so the empire faction or the human faction their human base faction did a kind of would you say a sneak attacky kind of pearl no, harbor thing wrong, is that wrong faction the horde did it Oh, okay. Um, Horde did it. It would have yeah, been better they, if it, it, it had been played more if the if the humans did it. I think it would have been more fun to listen to. But okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's the interesting thing is that two like two expansions ago. Yeah, two expansions ago, uh, the previous Horde war chief, which is Garrosh, went full evil, and it was actually like he became one of the the latest raid bosses was actually to take out the old Horde war chief. Um, so that was kind of the horde went evil and and we had to put them back in check even even the horde that were you know the good guys um and so the the big concern has been that they're doing the same thing uh she burned the city of teldrassil and then uh, the alliance retaliated by attacking lordaeron or the undercity which is is the undead capital and uh sylvanas's decision there was to do a well, if we can't have it, you can't either. We're going to plague the whole thing. Um, so 
they they have kind of a, a substance in the story called the blight which kills horde alliance all of it you know we don't care and then raises them as undead and so she she dumped that on the whole battlefield and just like all right everything's undead now and uh and you you won nothing you may have won my city but you don't actually get to live in it and so that's kind of been the big the big drama is people have said oh the horde is evil now and um you know there's been questions of whether or not various characters including her have have really filled in the the usual character characterizations that they'd expect or if someone's just really bad at writing somewhere so that's that's been kind of the drama it's been fun to play through um a lot of people have said they won't play horde because of it or have taken off their armor for horde players um to to represent some solidarity with Sourfang, who's kind of our uh, one of our leading characters on the horde side who's opposed to uh sylvanas's recent events um but anyways uh story stuff aside there's actually like they've they've really been kind of doing up the cinematic side of things in addition to the usual like usually like the expansion trailer is like where they do like the full like high movie quality effects they actually did a secondary uh cinematic at that quality level which was called old soldier and is about Sourfang deciding whether or not he's gonna just uh run to his death and try and not be part of this or or what um they've actually done a couple of novellas they've done like three or four comics that were kind of uh leading up to this stuff um there's been a bunch of little cinematics interspersed with the game um so there's there's really been a lot of just content that they've kind of dumped out to to kind of hint out in various mediums the the different characters uh motivations for this story so uh now again as i should kind of share my ignorance about wow like it's it's obvious it still has a to this day a pretty significant following like how how invested would you say like the the general player population in wow is with the storyline because like a lot of mmos it's you know there's usually a small a much smaller subset that's kind of down with the story type stuff um and and it's a lot less about that it's just like hey that's a framework for new gear uh, do you find that generally that people people that are kind of still hanging out with WoW are, you know, like this kind of thing, like gets some, you know, gets energy in the game, like when there's a big shakeup like this? Um, I would say there's a there's a lot, like, part of it is that Warcraft is, you know, it is a quest, you know, much more of a quest based game. Like, you, you, you know, when you talk about like the, the storyline of Eve and, and they do a lot of work to develop it, there's a lot of people who, who really don't care about any storytelling that the developers put together because that's not the point. There is like, even, even through the raids, the, the rating is questing, you know, is, is stories are told through the raids. They're told through, the leveling experience i i would my lean is that there is probably a much more significant amount of people interested in the story um than some other mmos um i would say you know like i i can't count how many characters i know from other fr- like uh, well i don't know of from other franchises really never are household names um but like for example sylvanas is probably one of blizzard's most marketable characters right now behind you know your tracer 
because obviously Overwatch is is still Overwatch. Um, right. But uh, you know, and, and the other thing that's that's been interesting is I think there are a lot of people who are who are at, you know maybe interested in the story and have always been like you know they played the game years ago because obviously like World of Warcraft has, has had what several tens of millions of players over the years and and many have come and gone and i think there's been a lot of people who have been interested to see what's happened with this story even though they maybe don't play anymore and so i think you might have some people coming back to see what's going on and then leave again because you know it's still world of warcraft no that's that's pretty interesting i mean that's it's kind of like i i generally know kind of who the sides are and at least some of the big names and stuff like that. And I, and I've never played wow, like ever. So, I mean, it, it does, it does have some penetration out there in terms of like the world building that they've done. Um, so I, I, I'm always interested when there's something that happens in a game that's beyond just raw mechanics or we're taking all your loot or we're doing something to you, you know, good or bad. Uh, those are the, those are the things that interest me when a game is, got that much going on for it that when it's not a pure mechanical activity that changes what's going on with players that that to me is that you know just strikes me as interesting um and another thing they did that is kind of fun um it, it it's kind of a major expansion feature but it's actually a, a major redes- redesign of how their servers work is uh, that there's, you know, WoW's kind of a traditional MMO that had, like, PvE servers and PvP servers, and obviously, um, you know, your PvP servers, you could kill other players randomly in the world, and and your PvE servers, you couldn't. So you couldn't talk to your other faction, but they were really just... But it was so so you could just play without the PvP element. Um, And they have actually eradicated that structure as part of this game, uh, this expansion, uh, and they they're calling the new version the new setting is is war mode and so you can either set yourself available for PvP in war mode and it gives you some PvP talents that will work in the rest of the game world and it will give you a 10% bonus on all of your like quest rewards and XP is kind of a reward for being set uh, you know to be able to be randomly attacked by people. Now, now can you if you did not want to be part of PvP. Can people still PvP you even with a flag? Um, you cannot be killed if you're not flagged for PvP. So they've they've really made it so that you're no longer determining. You no longer have to move servers to either be in or out of PvP mode. You're right. set. You're set. You have to be in the main capital city, and then you can set whether or not you're in war mode. And if you're in war mode, you gain the bonuses. And can be attacked and and like if you're in PVE, I believe you can still mark yourself for PvP. Like on a whim, you see a fight going on and there's tons of players. You're like, I want to get in on that action. You can, I believe, you can flag for PvP still and jump in, but you won't get those bonuses that they grant you for setting as of when you're in a capital city that you want to be part of it. Huh. Okay. Yep. So you can still kind of get trolled though. Like right. Like you, you can be marked for. I don't without a PVP flag and then some dude roll in on you and may not be able to kill you, but he can kind of mess with your day a little bit. I mean, like maybe I, I suppose someone can run in front of you and 
try and kill all the mo- quest mobs you're looking for, but even that they've kind of mitigated over time. Like one of the oh, things that they you can't take damage. Like it's it's not that you can't kill. You just can't take damage, right? Like you're you're you can, no, you can't. You cannot hit a player that is in a different. Oh, um, oh okay, is, okay. is not flagged for I PvP. Got I got you. Um, but uh, you know, in, in my case, like I've I have a character that is uh, I tend to play that is OP as all get out, and I have no problem being in a PvP mode for that. And I kind of missed world PvP from when I was on a PvP server. I'd actually moved off of a PvP server because um, I it, it I was getting griefed. It was just unpleasant to play. And for most of my other cl- characters that I've ever played, I wouldn't want to be marked for PvP. So now I get kind of the best of both worlds on this. It's kind of a neat. Uh, Neat way to do it and to kind of bring back world PvP in a wider sense rather than having, you know, some servers that did it. Now, they, now they, they still do that thing where you, like, the sur- like what I remember when I first, when I looked at getting into WoW a couple times, and, and I basically walked away because it's almost too, too much of a hassle because you, you, you kind of had to know exactly what server that you wanted to get on, and they were all very, very different, had really different identities, and and, and that kind of jazz because I remember like if you want like I, you can't just hop on and play with one of your with a group of your buddies they all have to be on the same server right they've really stripped that back really okay. the, the okay. only thing you have to be is in the same faction um, alliance and horde players cannot group up but you can uh, if you friend someone by like the battle their their battle.net tag you can invite them to a group regardless of server, and it will uh, it will cross you over to that server. Um, and actually, one of the newer features that they they're launching with this expansion is the ability to create cross server communities, which isn't really meant to be used for public groups. It's really more meant to be like your 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 friends and family that you want to be able to easily find and reach and play with, uh, regardless of what servers you're on. No, that, that PvP thing sounds pretty cool. I'm back, by the way. I lost power for a second, but welcome back. It, it makes me think of um, some of the concerns I've had for Fallout 76, where you're you're you have to play with other people. There are no private servers at launch, and wanting to be able to opt out of PvP if I don't want to do that, having it be where it's like, hey, we'll give you a bonus if you opt into it, but with the understanding that you're taking more risk in the process, that would be really nice. Yeah, and I think that the the cool thing is that people who want the you know the bonus are going to be opted in for for the bonus rewards and the fact that they know they can you know survive, and then my hope is that you know you know if if more people can jump in on fights like kind of one of the the pre event expansion pre expansion event areas uh, there was a good you know good fight going on where somebody would would show up and and then a bunch of people would join in the other faction would be like okay we need more guys and and we'd call out and get more guys to come in and jump in and it was a good fun, you know it was a good fun and and uh the alliance drastically outnumbered us but but it was fun uh one of the other things that they kind of threw in there is um in uh as part of war mode is if you are getting kills on other players they will actually um mark someone as uh uh, a bounty and the game does this automatically you don't place bounties on players the game will actually select a player that's getting a bunch of player kills and uh mark them on the map to get killed um with a reward that drops when you kill them so that kind of like when i saw that i rushed over there i'm like oh let's try it 
Well, certainly the reason that they were getting a ton of kills and had gotten marked with a bounty is because they were surrounded by five or six other guys and I died instantly. But that's kind of how you could see how they use that system to kind of draw people to a fight area. That's an interesting way of kind of going about it. I mean, I, I think I think it also kind of depends on what what is your place. To, like, I I guess it's one of those where what if you were you were entirely built around being like the stealthy ninja assassin typey guy, and then suddenly your shade step slash invisibility potion wasn't working because uh, you know Blizzard conveniently like tagged you with something. They'll put you on the you know they'll put you on the map for that. Um, to be fair, if you're getting that many kills, you know, there's, there's, there's some fairness, I think, to, to them going, okay, well, we're going to show people roughly where you are, but it's still not like, they're not highlighting you in the, the, like, me- the game itself, right? You could still stealth, they're just going to know, give or take, where you are on the map. Is there a cooldown on it? Like, like, can you, like, okay, things are getting too hot, I can bounce, and then, you know, come back later, and, and you're you know, the, the markers off of you, basically? I'm not sure how that works. I, I don't think it would survive you leaving the zone, to be honest. That's kind of cool. Cool, cool. So is that kind of everything you had on the World of Warcraft stuff, so? Uh, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, it's launching this week. It's got lots of story stuff. Um, there's one one cinematic in particular I want to throw in the, uh, the show notes because it's cool, and it looks really good. They did their kind of movie-grade effects on. Um... But, uh, yeah, so just kind of fun because it's been a long time since they've done something that was interesting. Sounds good. All right, so another news, uh, Fortnite. So, <laughs> as, as most of you are well aware, Fortnite is on many different platforms, one of which is mobile phones. So, already you can kind of put your head together in a third-person shooter with mobile phone controls. That's going to be some some shit right there. So naturally, it took people probably about 3.6 seconds to realize I can actually use a third-party peripheral to hook up a mouse and keyboard to my phone. So I can use a mouse and keyboard against people who are, you know, fat-fingering on the, the phone console trying to, you know, aim and stuff. So it's causing some issues in the sounds of it. And so maybe you can clarify a little bit, Zell, but basically Epic is going to try to segregate people who are using a peripheral mouse and keyboard from those who are not. Is that true? Yeah, my understanding is that they actually currently uh, allow on one of the console platforms that they'll let you use a mouse and keyboard as well. I think it's I think it might be the PlayStation. Um, so you know, Fortnite, bear in mind, has uh, does have crossplay for a lot of platforms. So part of this is actually the concern that yeah, PC players, which you know would normally use a keyboard and mouse, are still you know can end up in the same games as people with a three inch touch, you know, a four inch touch screen on a, on an iPhone, you know, I'm sure that goes very well for the, uh, the touch screen person. Yeah. So, um, and this article was kind of interesting. They actually had, um, some commentary on whether or not, uh, the, like mouse and keyboard was really, you know, overpowered, you know, how that conversation always goes. Um, but you know, Coming from the dust crowd, I thought it was a, an interesting topic always whenever this comes up because every time crossplay comes up, people say, oh, it's going to be fine. And then they end up changing their mind and going, well, maybe it wasn't fine. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to try to make an argument between like a gamepad and a mouse and keyboard, I think there's a fair argument depending on the type of game it is, what is going to be better. 
if you're talking about a touchscreen on a phone compared to a mouse and keyboard, that is kind of no contest. I'm sorry. Like, I, I specifically don't play games on my phone because I don't like the controls and how difficult it is to do action games with that. I, I don't see how you could even compare those two. Though I will say the uh, picture that's in that article, we'll get the link in the description, is uh, <laughs> pretty funny, the, the setup he's got going there. It's basically like a full mouse keyboard going through this little box, plugged into his phone, propped up on a Rubik's Cube sitting on the floor. Um, the, the kind of lengths people will go to kind of get that advantage. Yeah, you got the... Uh... So, so just to, to spec out what this is here is he's got a, a OTG adapter to get your, your USB port, your phone size USB port to a full size USB port. And he's got a USB hub that he's got all his, his peripherals plugged into. So it's, it's a nice little setup. Yeah. yeah. There, there's way easier ways to do this. You could play on BlueStacks. And I, I think you can play Fortnite on BlueStacks. Like this, that's a very popular uh, like desktop you know, either PC or Mac. Yeah, it's an an Android player. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it, it's a very, very popular app, uh, particularly with people that anybody that does like videos or switch streams, content creation, stuff like that. It's pretty simple. And if you're going through that level of pain, that's, that's crazy. Also, I think uh, Livy had a bit of news regarding Fortnite and some of the, uh, (laughs) the links people are going to now to get better at Fortnite. Or should we say the links people are going to get their kids better at Fortnite? Because <sighs> porting, you know, I guess that's what, what's more important now is your social standing and your ability to play Fortnite. Not just play it, but play it well. So parents are seeking out uh, tutors from various uh, companies. Uh, a lot of them are esports champions that are teaching the kids um, skills and like, communication tips um, so that they can be awesome in Fortnite and maintain their reputation in high school and beyond. And then um, I was just looking a little further uh, in the Guardian page that I'm reading that some colleges are actually offering scholarships for their esports program. Oh yeah. For the best Fortnite players that they can find. I mean, this is insane, but um, I mean, tutoring is what I think they estimated. I mean, it's, it's a, multi-billion dollar industry and now just adding that on top of it i'm more flabbergasted than anything but well well that that so i mean it's kind of it's kind of i kind of break that off into a couple pieces but one is there absolutely has been esports like i don't know you know scholarships for like better term for to some colleges for a few years now for like at least i think two or three years now um and I, I think that'll slowly get bigger and bigger. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know the, about the whole like, hey, I just want my kid to be not razzed at school because he sucks at a video game thing, so I'm going to give him a tutor. That's that's helicopter parenting at its finest. Um, if you are a semi-professional player or you're somebody that wants to be one and you're trying to get better, I, I maybe can, you know, I, you know, I conceptually can understand why you'd want to get somebody, you know, get somebody to work with you. Uh, but that's, that's just crazy. Like, I, I mean, who would have thought? <laughs> right. It, it almost makes you feel like, um, cause I mean, what's, what's the streamer's name? Ninja. I mean, stories like that are probably making a lot of parents salivate at the mouth, but how much money could come in from that? 
I a lot of people, That's even true. on YouTube, have parents that push them to do their YouTube videos because it, it's money coming in. You know, they catch a viral tick and it's just go from there. But yeah, that college is, uh, what is it? It's an Ohio Mid Midwestern University, Ashland University, that actually will give full ride scholarships um, to be part of the school's esports. That's just, it's just, I don't know. That's that's pretty crazy. I mean, when you consider that the kind of the top yeah, Fortnite player is this guy named Ninja, he makes five hundred thousand dollars a month playing this game. Yeah. So, like like Livy said, you, you almost wonder if parents are looking at you know Twitch streaming or esports is a viable career path for kids these days. Like if hey, you want your kids to succeed, and you know if this is what they enjoy doing, you know. It's kind of like kind of like what kid enjoyed playing piano nonstop. Like it's turning into the next hobby that's getting forced as you will play this. It it, it kind of puts a bad taste in. And mouth. if you don't get good enough to make money, you know you'll have ruined your life. You'll you, you have you brought know, you'll... dishonor to this family by losing. <laughs> you you almost wonder if you t if you worry about like child labor laws getting into effect for that's Fortnite. what I'm thinking. Like you will stream tonight, but I'm tired. Stream. It's like you're paying for this house yourself. Keep playing. That's <laughs> uh, absolutely insane. Um, it, it, like to Jay's point, like if you're if you are like doing this as a profession, you want to further your already existing career. Sure, fine. But I mean, come on. You think your 14 year old is going to become this multi million dollar you, uh, Fortnite streamer? It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's tutoring. It's possible. Oh my god. I'm just happy if the kid can pass his algebra test. I'm not even looking for more than that. I just want my kid to sit in the square. Jeez. All right. So moving along from that, and, and we kind of touched on the on the concept of crossplay, and, and this actually kind of came in um, in the middle of the show. Someone sent it to me. So Bethesda is making uh, a digital card game, so kind of like Hearthstone, something like that. It's called Elder Scrolls Legends. So it's based off of kind of the Elder Scrolls series, Skyrim, Oblivion, that sort of thing. They've come out and said that we will release this game on PC and any console that supports crossplay with PC. If you do not support crossplay with the PC, we are not going to release the game on your platform. And then they slowly turn their eyes and look at Sony and, and just stare into it. <laughs> uh, that's kind of humorous. It's begun. Yeah. And this is this is probably how it's gonna go, is the people who are making the third-party software for games going. We will simply not publish on your platform because we know everyone wants to play our shit. That if you don't support this, then we're not coming to you, and that's what's going to force the hands of these these hardware developers. That that's pretty legit. I would. Yeah. What the best thing that could happen, and you know, I, I'm not going to say that that would be a niche release or anything. And certainly a well-known property, and you know, a lot of people are going to buy it. But I, like, if you get a if you got like two or three of those, like kind of smaller tier, but noticeable kind of events like that, and then like one fairly significant game, like you know, like big AAA ish type game came out and did that. Woo, woo. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think Bethesda picked a, a property where obviously Elder Scrolls is a big deal, but it's also a digital card game, so it's not. If Sony, if, if Sony calls their bluff on this and says, "Fine, screw you." 
it's not going to be a huge loss for them. I mean, it's obviously a large market share, but it's not like they're releasing Elder Scrolls Six, where it's a huge, massive game. It's it's a little bit safer for Bethesda, but it's got enough visibility that it it sends the message of you know don't screw with us, you're going to go this way, or we're going to make it you know hell for you as a hardware developer. So it's 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 kind of fun to see this happen. It's, it's interesting. No, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Oh. You never know. I, we might get what we wish for, and it's it's not all that we hoped. Who knows? But yeah, who I knows? doubt it. <laughs> all right, so moving along to kind of my weekly Monster Hunter World update. Uh, I got a chance to try the Behemoth fight this last week. It's really, really good. It's very challenging. Probably one of the hardest fights in the game right now. Maybe up against like a uh, or like a, a tempered um, Delgio could be a little bit harder. But the Behemoth fight is really, really good. Um, so it's, it's, it's a solid fight. Um, the tanking mechanics, a little, a little tough. Uh, I wasn't playing the tank, but uh, a friend of mine was, you have to hit behemoth in the face to get it to kind of lock onto you with the aggro mechanic. And he's so big that he was having a hard time doing it. So we kind of got to work that out, but the fight has, um, definitely a need for a dedicated healer. Like I'm glad I kind of came prepared just to, to heal the group. Not normally a mechanic that you, you have to have in, in Monster Hunter. It it can help in certain fights, but not one that you've ever felt is required. It's it's pretty well required for this if you're a normal kind of hunting party. So really good. Um, we haven't actually fully completed it yet, but we we had some good runs on and got pretty close. So it's challenging, but it feels doable. Um, so it was, it was really solid. And I think in two to three weeks, we're getting the extreme version, which will reward some additional stuff. So... Once I get through this one, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, we're doing it. She's, she's shaking her head. No, but we're doing it. Um, I want everything I can get in that game. So it's really solid. Um, also this last week, arc tempered Teostra came out. So this is kind of the um, third tier of the elder dragons. We've done a couple before. This is probably the easiest one so far. I was actually, I, I did it three times in my first night and I was uh, successful the first two times and then just, got screwed over in the third one and lost at the last second, which was unfortunate, but uh, it, it's it's pretty easy. I do suggest you kind of have a high mobility class or something that doesn't have really long animation locks, so I wouldn't do like a great sword or even like a switch axe. I did it with Insect Glaive, worked really well, but he will use his supernova attack, which will absolutely kill you no matter how you're specced, and it comes out really quick, so if you can't get out of range fast enough, you're going to die to it every time, so... Be careful with that one. Probably, like I said, a faster weapon is probably your best bet. If you are successful, um, you can use the tickets to rewards. Two tickets gives you the layered armor set, which gives you the Dante set, which is kind of a Devil May Cry crossover. Looks really cool. It's kind of good to use it as an armor layer because the gear itself is okay, but it looks really nice. Um, and also, if you get five tickets, you can get the full set of armor for Archetempered Teostra. Armor is actually pretty solid. I think it's probably outclassed a bit by the set you get from the Behemoth, but there are some pieces that could work well with certain builds. So, really solid set. Um, definitely worth doing. And again, he's probably the easiest of the ones we've seen so far. And then I think in either one or two weeks, I forget, I'll check the date, but Archetempered Kushal uh, Deora will also be available. And his set looks really good. So... Good stuff coming down the down the uh, the pipeline for Monster Hunter World. Really enjoying it. Of course, it's still a solid game. They've got the perfect pace of content trickled to keep you coming back, and I, I can't say enough good things about it. 
Okay, Jay, briefly, did you kind of want to go over, not so much in detail, but just kind of what we're looking at with Destiny 2 and the most recent live streaming kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, covering? sure. So we're, we're not going to cover this extensively on the show tonight, uh, but uh, basically on the 28th of August, a lot of the sandbox changes that are really going to be coming to the fore, and you know, no pun here, and Forsaken, those are going to go live. So basically about a week prior to, uh, to Forsaken coming out, you're going to get a massive shift in the uh, in the sandbox. Now, what that'll end up doing is, is a ton of different things. I mean, so we, we could probably go over this in detail in a separate show. You know, in, in all fairness, it, it, it probably takes about 20, 30 minutes to go over all the changes because it's a, it is, I think, the most extensive rework that in terms of like how the game plays in any one go that we've seen yet between D1 or D2. And I, I mean, it's certainly bigger than, than Taken King now. Like, that's very apparent in terms of the size and the scope of change and what they're doing with the game. So that that's pretty fascinating in and of itself uh, with, with that kind of understanding now. But it's definitely going to be a lot of changes. You're going to see a lot of the weapon slot changes. You're going to see a lot of changes to uh, ammo economy, things like that, and some different tools that you're going to have in the game now obviously the gear and some of the updates to the gear will change when forsaken drops but the sandbox changes themselves are going to be pretty big business so highly recommend you check out the uh this week in bungie which is a very very meaty version of, of their weekly update right now uh also recommend that you check out their live stream which you can see on youtube or twitch um it's again Pretty extensive update in terms of what's coming in Forsaken. And you're going to get to see a fair amount of it unveiling on the 28th. And then really getting pieced together with uh, you know a lot of meta-shifting events uh, when Forsaken comes out. So highly recommend you guys check that out. And then I think probably around the 28th when this all goes live, we'll probably talk a lot about this um, you know, pretty extensively. So that's our, that's our Destiny update for the week. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I've been, of course, getting caught up to speed in all the Destiny stuff, and I've been pretty impressed from what I'm, I'm seeing and what I'm hearing that's coming down the pipeline from Jay. So I'll definitely be checking that stream out, and we'll have a good discussion about it once we get closer to the actual release. Uh, one other thing that came out that I was bouncing in my chair in excitement for this last Friday was the QuakeCon. So QuakeCon is kind of id Software's fan fest, so to speak. And Doom Eternal was kind of one of the major uh, showcases there. So Doom, Doom Eternal is, of course, the follow-up to the 2016 release of Doom. Uh, they announced very briefly at E3 that more information was coming at QuakeCon, and that was this last week. So they probably about a half an hour worth of gameplay. Really good stuff. It looks and feels just like Doom 2016, which is something I've, of course, spoken very highly about. It's very fast, very snappy. The pace of the game is really on point. Uh, a lot of horizontal mobility that kind of added some new like dash mechanics so it's even faster looks really solid the super shotgun actually has like a grappling hook on it now so he was showcasing a lot of verticality as well kind of like launching yourself in the air you know latching onto flying demons and, and kind of flying around the stage it looks really smooth really good very exciting um they've kind of brought some new updates to kind of the gore system in the game Normally not my thing, but I really like it in Doom. So the demons will actually take like physical damage now, and you'll see like chunks flying off and skulls half exposed. Like it, it looks really grotesque, but pretty pretty cool for the game. That looks really neat. 
and they're kind of pushing a lot more into world building, but not forcing it on you. So they're trying to get more into the lore and that sort of thing, but it's all very much like you have to go and find it. It's not, you know, something that they're, it's not the marquee feature of the game, right? But it's more of a, if you're interested, you can dig into it and there's lots to find there. So that's pretty cool as well. And of course, kind of the big feature that they were adding is kind of this demon invasion mode. So it's effectively PvP, but if someone's playing through the single-player campaign, you can invade their game, Dark Souls style, as a demon, kind of a souped-up high-level demon, and of course try to kill them while they're doing the campaign. So that sounds awesome. You know, I'm a big fan of that kind of mechanic as well. So whole thing looks really badass. No release date yet, but I'm imagining it'll be sometime in 2019. So very excited for that, and we'll of course get a link to that video in the description for this episode. I think the last thing we had was Red Dead Redemption 2 got some gameplay. I'm going to hand this over to Bate, so I don't kill my voice here. But Bate, what's going on with what you saw in this gameplay trailer? Yeah, so um, Red Dead Redemption, obviously we've talked about before. Huge game coming out. Uh, October 26th is when that hits. Um, so Rockstar released the, their first round of official gameplay footage. Just kind of uh, This one is a, just a brief overview about um what you can expect from the world from the story and and, and from the um so, uh, some of the mechanics um so you're gonna see a lot of things returning um the dead eye system um if if i'm remembering the the first red dead uh, redemption uh correctly was the the system that you used when you were i specifically remember when you were doing duels so you would mark um uh, a body part, like a leg or something, of the guy that you were dueling with, and then when you pulled the trigger um, to to initiate the duel, uh, your guy would kind of like quick fire automatically, like four uh, shots in, in uh, rapid succession. Uh, so that'll come back, but it looks like it will be um, uh, in the the overall combat, if you will. So just as you're as you're running around and you come uh, up to a group of guys, you, you'll be able to do that. Um, the wanted system, uh, how they how they did it in the first game, is coming back. So you'll have your thing, um, kind of you know, like up in the corner, um, and then you'll be you'll still be able to intimidate people um, and uh, you know kill them to to reduce wit uh, reduce witnesses um, or pay them or whatever. Um, I think you can beat them up now, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, and, and then hunting, uh, of course, is coming back. Um, the, the environment, uh, diversity is absolutely crazy what they're doing. Um, they kind of touted the fact that the game takes place all across America. Um, and you can totally see that just within like all the different environments that they have. So there's going to be like swamps and deserts and, um, and like the Rocky mountains and you'll be able to like walk through these mountain passes and whatnot. And then you know the prairie lands if you will kind of like what you saw uh previously and then and then forests um and, and one thing that i did notice um just in the little bit that they were showing um was that each environment really felt like that environment so your swamp it was dark and it was like it was muddy looking and uh it, you know it, it looked like a swamp and you know the same thing with the desert it was very dry looking and they were like i think there was like even a little uh, desert lizard um just to kind of like reinforce uh that that environment so it looks it looks the game looks so good it looks beautiful um so i'm i'm excited as far as that goes probably the prettiest game that i've seen you know of of this year um 
Let's see what else. So the, the as far as you know when the game is set, they're kind of going for you know right there at the end of what of what you would call the, the age of outlaws. So when the Cowboys and the Indians, you know, like you may see in Gunsmoke or whatever, are kind of like dwindling and, and everybody's becoming more uh, modernized. So some of your cities will be will be just that. They'll be more modern cities. And, and there's, a, there's a scene in the, in the gameplay that they had that really emphasized that, like there were, you know, there were proper streets and I think there might have been some sidewalks and there were, there were just lights everywhere. It was really, really nice. Um, so you'll see that, um, hopefully they'll kind of like, there'll be a good mix, um, of, you know, Western villages, if you will, and then these, these more modern cities. Um, so we'll have to see, uh, let's see, your guns are going to be more realistic. Uh, they say that they'll have realistic recoil and reloading to keep the play more grounded. I don't know what they mean by more grounded, but I'm sure it's something super simple. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, then there's that for you. Um, the biggest thing, though, that I, I kind of noticed was it seems like they're putting in some more, um, like, almost RPG elements into this one. So um, instead of, like, the, the, the last game where you're kind of this solo guy going around uh, trying to enact revenge uh, upon a gang, you're going to actively be in your own gang, um, which means that the the characters that you meet you'll be able to interact with uh on, on a deeper level and so by by interacting with them um you'll uh you'll find like secrets in the world or um uh or even quests i think was was something that they were saying events but they didn't really you, say what events were are you getting, like some dragon age vibes from it i don't think how much dragon age am i playing no no not no not not quite that I don't think they really again they didn't really show it off they just kind of kind of mentioned it um i wouldn't be surprised though if um if one of their other videos that they're going to put out um you know kind of focuses in on it more and i kind of hope it does um but it seems like a, an interesting um turn for i mean obviously not just for red dead but i mean even for for grand theft auto even um, obviously being made by the same the same uh, company and all it basically being the same game just you know time uh, time setting um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know something like that make its way into the sixth installment of Grand Theft Auto obviously we'll have to wait and see though um, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know how Rockstar implements this into into Red Dead but I mean it, it should be fine I don't see how you could really mess that up. Um, and, and kind of keeping in with this idea of, of building bonds, um, the horse that you ride, you'll actually, as you, as you ride him more and, you know, interact with him throughout the, the game, um, somehow, I don't know how they're going to, they're going to um, uh, judge this, but um, you're going to, uh, I guess you'll get, positive charisma if you will with the horse so that he'll he'll basically do better in intense in circumstances so you know whether you're in combat or whatever um he'll be able to um be maneuvered more easily so that'll be uh that's that's kind of cool um and then not only you know are you gonna have the horse you ride but they're they're talking about how all horses won't be created equal so 
you know, you might have one horse that you ride mainly to travel, right, that has good endurance or something, let's say, and then there might be another horse um, that is better at pulling uh, carriages or something. So if you need, you know, you basically will be switching horses um, for, for certain missions, um, I would assume. Uh, so that's, that's really interesting. I don't think that I, I've seen something like that. I know the, the previous game, you know, didn't have that. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be good to see, you know, what they do with this and, and how they can maybe implement this into, into other games, not obviously not with courses, but you know, maybe something else. Um, so yeah, you know, like I said, it's the, the game looks good. Um, the story um i it's a rock star game so i'm not too terribly worried about the story um and the world looks like it's going to be really fun to just to just play around in and you know see what's out there see all the little things that you know rockstar have done to make the world feel uh more alive and that game comes out the 26th of october and pre-orders are available you're probably okay to pre-order it i know i did so you can take that risk if you want. It'll probably pay off. And if the game is terrible, you can direct your complaints to bait at biomass.net. Yep. I take full responsibility. All right, guys. Good stuff. Anything else before we go into shout-outs? Take that as a no. All right. So my shout-out. So uh, months and months ago, we talked about, you know, you know the, 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 the movie in the book, The Mist by Stephen King? They, they made a series about it, and I think we all kind of went, Why? Well, Livy and I, in our epic quest to find the most horrible pieces of media we can find and watch them, tried to watch the the TV series The Mist. We endured two episodes, and it was so bad that we just gave up. So basically, everything about it is terrible. The characters are stupid. They're assholes. They're completely unlikable. And no point to have the conflicts that pop up. It's just really, really horrible television. So... My shout-out is to The Mist and that you should not watch it because it's awful. All right, Zell, you're up. I give my shout-out to uh, all of you again for for running the show while I wasn't here and say that all my complaints about your last episode are in the comments on the blog post for it. I haven't even looked yet, and I'm afraid to. <laughs> all right, uh, Bate, you're up. Okay, uh, my shout-out. I had it ready. What is my shout-out? Oh. So I was listening to a Fantastic Eve podcast called the uh, Mind Clash podcast, and uh, they were talking about War of Ascension, and me being a sucker for almost all things Eve and looking forward to this game, uh, found out how to download it because it hadn't been appearing on my app store. Um, so if, if you want to play that game, just type in Eve War of Ascension APK, and just download the APK and uh, put it on your cell phone and uh, have a good little time in that game. It, it's quite fun for a uh, for one of those like uh, timer-based phone games. So that's my shout out. Yeah, I actually rather liked it when I played. Have they added like an end state yet? Because when I was doing it, there was really no overall goal other than survival. Did they add like the ascension part to the War of Ascension? I, I think so. There's a Stargate in the middle of my system. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how to activate it. It says something about relics. So there may or may not be a way to get to the end game content. But the like the same, there. Sounds like the same build that I was in. Did it? Oh, did the really? game launch with absolutely zero explanation on how to do anything? Pretty much. Although there are okay. quests that I've been getting like, 
an ungodly amount of uh, resources from. So there, oh, okay. there's that. It must be newer than the one I played then. The one I played was like dropped you in and you had to figure out through experimentation how to play the game. The uh, the site I'd recommend is uh, for downloading APKs is uh, called APK Mirror. Yeah, I just went to like raw APK or something and hoped it wasn't malware. Well, I'm trying to, I'm recommending one that isn't malware. You should do that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I won't I won't get into it because technically I, I agreed to an NDA when I, I played it, but... Um... Yeah, no, it, it's an interesting game. It'll be nice when they actually finish all the features, but it's it's an yeah. interesting attempt and a different look at some of the the themes and ideas you're used to in in Eve, which was pretty pretty interesting. See, I want to talk about it now, but now that you said that, I didn't sign anything, so yeah, you're you're yeah. using a, you're using technically what I guess would be a leaked version. So, no, I, you're, yeah, it was for me. It wasn't really signed anything. It was more of a if you download this, you're agreeing to not. Talk about it. Oh, so, I see. Okay. Damn it. You know, take it with a grain of salt. But so, ba- so bait can talk about it, and Pokey can't. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, oh, and I'll just nod quietly from behind my mic. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. All right, Livy, shout out. My shout out is to Pokey's brother because hold on, I have to do a little a little story behind it. I love the Scrub Daddy, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys know what that please, is. Please explain what that is. It's basically a scrubber that if you put under cold water, it's hard. If you put under warm water, it softens up so you can scrub <laughs> As I look at Pokey's face. Um, and his brother actually made me a 3D printout of the Scrub Daddy so I can put it on my keychain and uh, have a hard version of it everywhere I go. So thank you to him. Oh my gosh. All right, Jay, you got something to close up after that? Uh, that... That kind of took most of, most of the air out of my cells right there, the scrub daddy. Um, I thought that could have went in some horrible directions. Uh, so the, the short answer is I, I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Holly State Park up here in, in Michigan. Uh, they've got this pretty cool little uh, obstacle course to have out on the lake. Uh, it's basically not so much American Ninja Warrior, more like Wipeout. Remember that, remember that show? Uh, that was one of the most uh, violent workouts that I've had in a long time, chasing after a whole bunch of kids. Uh, and uh, right now, my, my head's still still stuffed up from, like, kept hitting the hitting the water at, like, 20 miles an hour from 15 feet up off several of the obstacles with kids laughing at me. It's great. Uh, and then I would give a shout-out to uh, the Union Woodshop. This phenomenal restaurant there in Holly. So it's a really cool little town. Uh, but phenomenal restaurant. Big shout out to them and uh, the Holly State Park. All right, guys, and that's our show. So I, I, I want to thank you for um, thank everyone here for kind of carrying it for me. It was my voice is going out, but uh, of course, thanks for tuning in. And as always, if you want to have be on the show, if you have any topics, be sure to hit us up on biomass.com. We'd be more than happy to accommodate you. That being said, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.